All right. Well, hello, everybody. So, uh, so I know I look a little different. Some of you probably wonder who this is and how I grew a beard so fast coming out of the Immerse series. You know, that one we taped in Israel. And for those of you who were part of Immerse, I'm so thankful for all the, all the steps that were taken, all the groups that started, people who got into groups or took other steps. Really cool what God did uh, during that studies. We went through Luke and Acts together and did a deep dive into uh, the story of the New Testament and how we fit into it. Uh, but during that time, since I'd filmed those in Israel, I took the opportunity, one of our uh, elders, one of our board members suggested it, that I do a sabbatical that I've talked about doing for a long time uh, during those weeks. And I did. And, uh, and that's why I grew the beard or how I grew the beard. And that's why I look like Moses or homeless or whatever, you know, whatever I look like. But, uh, but it was a really profound time. Um, during those weeks, you know, I do a study break for those of you who've been around in the summer, uh, in the month of July, and that's about production. It's about producing sermon series and vision and ideas and writing and doing different things. This was not about that. This was a time of a lot of solitude, not about producing things, just about being with God in a way that I, in, in that long of time, I've never done that. And it was, it was, it was just a profound, far more significant time than I anticipated. And, and there's a lot I could talk about, the most, but the most significant thing that happened is, uh, is, is I was just overwhelmed with God's heart for me and for you too. And Paul in Ephesians prayed this prayer. I will get into the series, but um, Paul prayed this prayer and I understand it more than ever. I don't fully understand it, but more than ever in my life I do because this was his hope for the Christians he was with. And and it's what God began to answer in my life. He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. So it, it, this, what he's about to say takes God's power to do this. We can't do it on our own. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's knowing which surpasses knowledge, meaning it's an experience of knowledge. And, and I've preached sermons on God's unconditional and unlimited love for us. And, and I, you know, it's not like the, that was a new concept. But in the sabbatical, what did happen was a whole new experience of the love of God for me and for you. And that, that will forever mark me and forever change me and change the way I lead, change what I think is important. It just, it was an incredible time. And one of the things that I come back with for our church is just to make sure that this, this is my prayer for me and for you for the rest of my life. That God would answer this prayer and that we would allow him, learn to allow him to love us the way he wants to love us. And if that sounds simple, it's not. It takes God to do that. And so we're, that's, what we're, that's what my prayer is. That's my goal for the rest of my Christian life, personally. And that we reflect God's heart to this world accurately and authentically. So it was a really, really great time. And yes, I did grow a beard. And, uh, and, and it's already pretty polarizing. You know, our world is pretty polarized. So there's people who love the beard. 
There's people like my mom who really don't love the beard. And you can send in your perspective. Be kind. You don't have to be mean. But just, you know, just, it doesn't matter. I, I, you know, this is a thing. I don't, I can get rid of it. I can keep it. In fact, right now, you know, we've got crowd here as we're taping. So how many of you think the beard should stay? Okay. All right. How many of you think, you know what, should probably go? All right. Yeah, there you go. Okay. All right. Say it's a polarized world. Polarized world. Um, well, today we are continuing a series that we're called Grown Up Faith. And what the whole series is about is just, you know, most of us know people who are, that we would say, man, they're such a person of deep faith. Like, they just trust God and they believe God and they're so solid. And it doesn't matter what's happening. They're just like incredible people of faith. And, and, and it feels like they're way in, in a place that we would never get to. Like, we respect them for being people of great faith, but it's not like we would ever get there. And the point of this series is, yeah, we can get there. God wants us to be there. He, he wants us to have a mature faith, a solid faith. And, and we can all experience that and grow in our faith and have a more grown-up faith. And when I think about those kind of people, one of the people that comes to mind is the, the guy who started this church. Um, his wife, too, Elaine, but Jean and Elaine gets. And, and, uh, and I want to highlight him a little bit, not only as a person of faith, but also to tell you about something that's coming up, because it is his 90th birthday this month, uh, and, uh, which is a huge milestone. And God is uh, doing, we, we did the succession 18 years ago. Gene did not slow down. So he's, in fact, he's sped up. So God is using him in all kinds of ways all over the world. And we're going to celebrate all that God has done and is continuing to do. And, I mean, if you know Gene, he's got like a 20-year plan from now of, you know, what, what his, you know, goals are and all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I might, my guess is he'll get there. And, um, and so we're going to celebrate him on, and you're invited. So it's Saturday, March 19th at 5 p.m. It starts in the lobby with food. And then in here there's going to be some well-known people who are participating in that uh, here at the Legacy Campus. And uh, uh, wherever you're at, you're welcome to come. And so you'll see more about it. But Saturday, March 19th, I hope you'll come and let's just, let's celebrate, you know, give honor to whom honors do, and, uh, and we'll have a lot of fun doing that. Now, when I think about people of grown-up faith, you know, like Gene and all that, today we're focusing on people, or not just people, but becoming people who, who have grown-up faith in the way that we pray. And I, and I bet you can also think of people who are just great prayers, like when, you, when you're in trouble or when you really want something from God, they're the people that you call, man, I need you to pray for me. Because one, you know they actually will if they say it. And number two, they just, when they pray, it's like the heavens shake. Like they just have like this red phone to God, it seems like. And I hope you know some people like that. And you're like, man, I just, I've, I've, I've got to, you know, I've got to have them pray. And people will do that since I'm a pastor. They'll come, man, I need you to pray. You got that hotline to God. And I'm great praying with people. But what I want us to understand today, what God wants us to understand, is that's, that's what God wants for all of us, to be that kind of prayer, to pray with that kind of confidence and that kind of faith. Um, one of the people I think about in my life, and I've talked about him uh, before over the years, my granddad. So my granddad was a pastor. My mom's dad was a pastor. And he was a pray warrior, warrior not warrior, warrior. Um, he prayed all the time and with passion and faith. And, uh, and I remember as a little kid going to his house 
and uh, when I was little. And he would pray, he would get up at four in the morning, every morning, and pray from four in the morning to about six in the morning. And, and I remember sneaking through, you know, kids get up early and, and looking in the room through a crack in the door. And he would kind of pray out loud, just but quietly, so you could kind of hear him pray. And he'd just be praying for two hours every morning. And it marked me as a kid, just like, wow, you know. And, and, and when you wake up at four in the morning to pray, it means you have to go to bed early. And, uh, and so he would go to bed at 8 o'clock. And I've shared this a few years ago or four or five years ago. But you can use these little tips on how to get people out of your house if you want to go to bed earlier. Because he, he had it down. He, and because he, they were also very hospitable. So they had people at their house for dinner all the time. My granddad had a habit of just meeting people and saying, hey, why don't you come to my house for dinner tonight? You know, my wife would love it. And she did. And they did that all the time. But he also had to get people out of the house. So there's a couple ways he would do that. And, uh, and you feel free to use these. Uh, one of them and is he would, uh, you know, everybody would be sitting in the living room, be about 8 o'clock at night. And, and he would get a, his, one of his medicine bottles. And he would come out with a glass of water, kind of very obviously. He would take it, a pill out. He would drink the pill down. And then he would say, you know, I always take this five minutes before I go to sleep. And they were like, oh, yo, yeah, I mean, it's 8 o'clock. Yeah, we better, you know. Or uh, the other, my favorite is he would, um, let's say you were sitting there in the chair, or you're a couple sitting next to each other. He would come up. Nobody's talked about leaving, but he would, he, would, he would just come behind you, put his arms around you and say, let me pray with you before you leave. And he would start to pray. And as he prayed, he didn't just pray. He would kind of lift you up out of your chair and sort of start walking you to the door. And by the time he said amen, you were at the door. And so you're like, oh, yeah, well, gee, I guess I better go. So feel free to use those if you want to use them. And he was a very, he was a character. He also prayed for people through the day. He was a chaplain at the hospital. He was a chaplain for the Kentucky State Police. And so he would pray with people all the time. And, and as I grew up, I would, I would go with him different places. And as he would pray for people, he prayed with such boldness and such confidence and prayed these big prayers Especially when I got a little bit older, like junior high and high school, I want to say, Granddad, you know, like calm down a little bit. Like that's that's way out. Like I'm not sure all that's going to happen. Like just you know, kind of tone it down a little bit. You're going to get people all excited. I never said that because I know what he, he would look at me like I was the one that was crazy. Like who do you think I'm talking to? I mean, I'm talking to the God of the universe who can do anything. Why wouldn't I ask that? I mean, he just prayed with such confident boldness. Now that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, I, don't, I honestly don't think God expects us, like my granddad, to pray two hours a day. Um, you can, and I think it would be wonderful. I think that's a unique calling, and I lean on people in our church who are, uh, the Bible talks about a gift of prayer. I think that's what, it, I think he had that. It was just, it was just a, such a big part of his ministry and such a big part of his life. I do think we should all pray, but I don't, I don't think God expects us to pray for two or three hours every day. But I do think what all of us can do is pray with the same confidence and the same boldness and the same joy and the same effectiveness. And I know that because Jesus taught us how to do that. And that's what we're going to look at. Grown-up prayers, prayers full of confidence and faith that all of us can pray and and be that kind of person that we respect. Uh, And and the passage we're going to see that in is a time in in Jesus' ministry. is actually in a sermon, Sermon on the Mount, where... Um, the disciples, his you know, 12 disciples, 
asked him to teach them how to pray like he did because it was so remarkable. And we just read the book of Luke, so I'll start. It's in Luke and Matthew, Mark also. But, um, but since we just read the book of Luke, those of you who were in a verse, we'll, we'll start there and then we'll go to Matthew. But in Luke 11, 1, we read this. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John, talking about John the Baptist, taught his disciples. Now, they already knew how to pray like John, which was cool because John, you know, they learned something. But they had never seen anybody pray like Jesus. And so they were like, Jesus, teach us how to pray like you do. Now, that's actually really remarkable because this is the only thing that we have recorded in the New Testament where the disciples asked Jesus, hey, we want to do that like you do. And if you think about it, Jesus did some really cool things, right? I mean, he walked on water. He healed people. There were times he disappeared when he wanted to get away from people who were trying to get at him. And I mean, all that would be pretty cool. Like, Jesus, teach us how to disappear like you did, because that'd be awesome. Jesus, teach us how to walk on water, because that would be awesome. But they never asked that kind of stuff. This is the only time we see that they ask him anything like that. And it's, Lord, teach us to pray like you do, because it was so different than prayer as they had seen it. And so Jesus obliges. He says, you know, teach us, they say, teach us how to pray. In the next verse, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Now, Jesus goes on. He doesn't just say the word Father. He goes on after that to say what many people call the Lord's Prayer. You may have heard that different ways, different places at weddings or funerals or, I don't know, just out different. If you grew up in church, you've heard it. In King James, a lot of people say it. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be. So he gives that as a model prayer. But the first word is what we're going to focus on because it is by far the most radical, the most important. Changes everything the way we think about prayer. And it would have been, it would have sounded like blasphemy or crazy talk when Jesus said, when you pray, start by saying, Father. Now, we kind of take that for granted, those of us who grew up in church especially. Like, that's no big deal. We're used to talking about God as Father. But 2,000 years ago, before Jesus, nobody did that. Nobody called God Father. In the Old Testament, um, there were a couple of passages that, where he alludes, God alludes to, uh, gives the illustration of, hey, I'm like a father to the nation of Israel, to God's people. But nowhere does anybody ever think about God as their personal father. Like that would have been considered crazy or blasphemy or something like that. But that's what Jesus says. That's the kind of relationship he came to bring. When you pray, say the word father. And to make it even more crazy sounding, the word he uses for father was the most unexpected word for father when you're talking about God. Now, Jesus was talking Aramaic. Uh, people back then knew multiple languages the, the everyday language they spoke a lot was Aramaic. Um, and they also would have known Hebrew. They knew Greek. I mean, they knew lots of languages. But Jesus would have been speaking Aramaic. And the word, and just like in English, we have different words for father, right? We have father, dad, daddy, so on. Well, they did too. And same thing, like levels of informality. And they could have used a very formal word, but he could have used that, like father, but that's not the word he used. The word he used was Abba. Abba is the word that little babies, when they're learning how to talk, called their dad. Be like, when you talk to God, start by saying, Dada. Which is pretty crazy to think about, right? 
It's like a little toddler who's just learning how to pray or learning, I mean, learning how to talk. And, and you think about the word Abba, just say it right now. Just say Abba. Right? I mean, that's an easy word to say, right? I mean, you can see how little baby and, air, you know, the Aramaic, that's we say dada or daddy, and you know, little kid, but they would say Abba. Now, a lot of you know that I have a granddaughter now. Her name is Eden. She's one years old. And I know some of you have kids, some of you have grandkids, and I'm sure they're cute, but they're not like her. I'm sure they're smart, but not as smart as her. I could be biased. I could be wrong. But I'm going to introduce you to Eden a little bit. She's just learning how to talk. And, uh, and so I had Kenzie, her mom, uh, just say, hey, would you just get her to say mama and dada for us? And so let's watch this. Watch it. Eden, can you say mama? Mama. Can you say dada? Ba. <laughs> what about dada? Dada. All right. See, See, I told, I told you, you she was cute. cute. Now, now the, the the middle one, when she said Baba or Bobo, that's what she calls her dog, Bodie. Uh, so, uh, so she knows Mama, Bobo, Dada really well. She doesn't say Pops yet. That's what I'm called. I think what I'm going to be called. But when you think about that, right? With if you're a parent, right, and you have a little toddler who says Dada, Mom, Mom, or when she starts to call me Pops. That's a unique relationship, right? I mean, when she starts to call me, I don't care what she calls me. If she calls me anything, she'll get whatever she wants, right? I'm never going to say no to her. I'm never going to, like every inclination, like, because I'm her, like she's my granddaughter and I'm her pops. And that's the relationship we have. And, 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 and it's not like when a little child like that comes up to you, you know, you're like, hey, you know what? Why don't you grow up a little bit? Learn how to say my full name, clean your own diapers, you know, or whatever, and then come talk to me. Like, and no, because they're your little child, right? And you love them and you want them to. And that's the kind of relationship Jesus came to bring for you and me with God. I mean, it's really crazy to think about that. To be like a toddler who runs up into the arms of Dada and to say, Abba. And just to be with our dad who loves us. Um, in Romans, uh, Paul talks about that. He said, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship or childhood, son or daughter, whoever you are. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Jesus said prayer is realizing that we are Abba's child and we can come into his presence at any time to be with him. And that changes everything about prayer. When you talk about praying with confidence and joy, that changes everything. And in Matthew, when Jesus talks about it, he gives some implications, two big implications to that when it comes to prayer. Um, the first one in the book of Matthew is that when we pray, since we're Abba's child and we're coming up into his arms to, to be with our Abba, our daddy, there's no need to sound impressive. Just talk to him. We don't have to use special prayer words or anything like that or be impressive or flowery. Or, in fact, that's kind of weird. Instead, since he's our Abba, we just, we just talk to him. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 5. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Now, there he's talking about the religious leaders in, in, their, in that day, the Pharisees and Sadducees and so on. 
don't pray like them. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. They would pray these long, elaborate, very impressive prayers. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Meaning, that doesn't mean anything to God at all. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Meaning, just be with God and talk to Him. You have to be impressive. And then he goes on, and when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans. Uh, pagans, that sounds terrible. It's just somebody who's not a believer. In, 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 in the other religions of the day, um, they would go to, to their temples and stuff and babble on. A lot of times, glossolia, like just nonsense speak and just uh, do it for on and on and on to try to get the attention of the gods. And he says, that's not prayer either. He said, don't do that. For they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. He's just saying, calm down and just spend time with your Abba and just talk to him. You don't have to be impressed. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever felt that pressure at times I have, or some, maybe you, you hear other people when they pray, they all of a sudden go into this special prayer mode. It's like they normally talk like I'm talking, they just talk. But then when they pray, it's like something changes and they get their voice gets deeper and they start talking King James, you know, English. It's like, you know, oh, yeah, normally they just talk normal and all of a sudden they go like, oh, Father, we beseech of thee. And you're like, what just happened, you know? And God's going, what just happened? Like, what, where are you? You know, you want to knock on their forehead and say, I know there's a person in there somewhere. Just, just talk, you know? And, uh, or maybe you know people who are just, they, they just, they're really good at praying out loud. And you go to life group, and when they pray, it's just like they say all the right stuff. You're like, oh, that's good. And people say amen to, like, back them up because it was so good. It's like, ooh, that's good. Amen. Right? And, they're, and that's fine. I mean, they know all the right words and stuff. That's great. But it can be really intimidating, right? So you never raise your hand to pray because it's like, I'm not going to outdo that, that girl. I mean, she's, wow, she can really pray. And that's great. Good for her. And it's okay to have some good things to pray about. But what God is saying is, you know what, it's just not about that. Like, you can't get it wrong. And I talk about that a lot when I speak. And I, I, a lot of times just lead us to God in prayer at the end to just say, hey, let's talk to him. And, and I say, prayer is just talking to your father. You don't have to use special words or language. You can't get it wrong. He's not up there with a buzzer going, eh, that's stupid. Start over. He doesn't care about that. Right? He's your father. You're his child. Just talk to him. That's what he's saying. Like, if my sons, who are now in their 20s, but if they called and all of a sudden started talking weird like that, like, you know, if I answer the phone, like, oh, exalted father. I'd be like, hey, look, you're an adult. You can do what you want, but drugs are a bad idea. I told you that, you know, like, and uh, just, just be normal. So that's the first implication. Second implication, also really, really big. And that is when you need something, ask confidently. Because God is not a begrudging, like, curmudgeon. He's a loving father who wants to act just like a good dad or a good mom. That's why Jesus says in Matthew when he talks about uh, when you pray, pray, Father. He says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? 
he's, he's saying, look, you and I, you know, some of your parents, right? So if you're a parent, I know, I mean, he's kind of slammed you a little bit. He said, even though you, you were evil, you know, wait a minute, I'm not evil. I'm a good parent. And you are a good parent. I believe it. You're way better than most. I'll give you that. I, you know, I, we all try the best we can. I mean, the fact that you're in church, you have a kids go, you have a youth run, all that's really good. You're a good parent. I, that's important. I think it's great. And you are a good parent. And compared to other people, you're a great parent. But he's not comparing us to other people. He's comparing us to God. And the thing, when we think of the opposite of evil, we just think, like evil is doing bad things and, and not being evil is not doing bad things. But the opposite of evil is loving. It's going beyond just not doing bad things. It's doing incredible things. It's, it's loving. It's being selfless, not selfish. And as human beings in our sin nature, even as parents... We do the best we can, but we have limits. We're, we're, we st- like to our, like, and I know we have limits, right? We felt it in the pandemic when our kids were around us 24-7, right? And you're like, oh man, lockdowns and all this stuff. I don't think I can do this anymore because we're limited in our ability to serve and our ability. Like after a while, you're like, you're on my last nerve long time ago. You know, I, I'm, I bet a lot of people in Texas were so glad that you were in Texas when Omicron, you know, the Omicron wave happened. Because you probably knew, man, if I'm in California, they're about to lock down. My kids are going to be in my house again 24-7. I'm so glad I'm in a place. It's like, I'm a crunch, mom a crunch. We're not, we're not, you know, we're not locking anything down. You know, what? and that's not a political thing. I'm just a practical thing of just saying, man, I'm glad I'm in a place, right, where my kids are still going to have a place to go. Because we have limits. We love our kids, but we have limits. What Jesus is saying is God doesn't have those limits. His love is not only unconditional, but without limit. He has he doesn't run out of capacity and patience and grace and love. He's more giving and loving than we can imagine. And that's why Jesus is saying, therefore, we, when we come to him, realizing every inclination is his heart is to give way more than we would ever do. And so, therefore, ask boldly and confidently, and he'll answer. Now, it doesn't mean he'll always answer the way we want, just like a toddler who wants to play on Central Expressway with their cars. You'd be like, no. You know, you know, little toddlers, they don't have big picture stuff. So as a parent, you do what's loving, what's best, not always what they ask. Same thing with God. Just like a, a great theologian once said, I thank God for unanswered prayer. If you don't know your theologians, I'm talking about Garth Brooks. Um, who, uh, he's a country singer, so like, who's that? But, um, and because, you know, God's loving. He's going to do what's best. He, he's going to take our prayers. The, the Bible says even the Holy Spirit interprets them, and, and God answers according to his will what's best for us. When I was coming back from sabbatical, driving back, I was praying, and uh, my radio went out in my car. And so it, it made me have more time of solitude, even on this 14-hour drive. And so I was praying and just reflecting on how just God's favor in my life over the years, the people and opportunities, and just saying, God, why, why have you done all this? My whole life, it doesn't make any sense. And I was thinking about all the opportunities and the good things, but then as I had more time to think, I also thought back to how God has redeemed the hard things, the difficult things, the unanswered prayers. He answered the prayers, just not the way I wanted, with you know people that I love who didn't get well and who died or who, you know, all kinds of things that have happened, right? And you think, but I realize that's God's favor too, because I've seen how God has used those things, difficulties in a fallen world in my life to help shape who I am and who I'm becoming. And, and it just 
God, you're, you're just so good. Like, you've, you, you know the deal. I mean, you've got the big picture, and I, I trust you. And, and that's really what prayer is, courageous prayer. We can ask him fully with our limited perspective, God, I want this, but I know I'm going to be open-handed with that because you're God and you're good and you're wise and you know the big picture, and I'm going to trust you to, to take this and do what's best. I mean, it really does change everything once you realize God is, what he's saying is, this relationship I want with you. You're like a little Eden, and I'm your Abba, your Abba's child. That's who you are. When you come to know Jesus, we're adopted as his children, and I just want you to be with me, and I want to be with you, and I love you. Just one more image of that. Um, when I was in elementary school, I remember, it was just one of those things that gets submitted in my mind. I don't, this was probably 10 years after this happened. Um, these pictures happened um, from Time Magazine. But I remember in elementary school, a teacher putting these pictures up. Go ahead. And, oh, there they are. Of, this is John Kennedy, president, J, you know, JFK, and, and his son, John Jr., in the Oval Office. And there John Jr. is, right, just playing right under the desk. There's another picture where, he, uh, where uh, the president just picks him up and puts him in his arms. And when I was a, there's something about that that as an elementary kid, just, I've just cemented that in my mind. And when I think about what Jesus is teaching, I often think about that because he was the president of the United States, the most powerful human on the planet at the time. Everybody wanted time with him. Everybody wanted to be with him. Most people could not. But for John Jr., he wasn't just the president. More importantly, he was dad. He was daddy. He was Abba, if he spoke Aramaic. And he could just crawl up in his dad's lap any time. He didn't know the difference between the Oval Office and anywhere else. This was his daddy. And that's what prayer is. It's crazy. But that's what Jesus came to bring us. And therefore, you can't get it wrong. You, you know, God, God's not going to critique everything. And, and it's not, like, disrespectful to pray this way. It's respectful because it respects the relationship that we have, that God wants to give us. It'd be disrespect, like with my kids, if they acted all of a sudden super formal, I'd be like, what's your deal? That's not respectful. It's informal because that's the relationship we can have. And God is way more ready and willing to answer than we can even imagine because his love is bigger than what we can imagine. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray with that in mind. And we're going to just spend a little bit of time of prayer, which is just talking with our daddy. Just crawling up to the arms of our Abba. And as we do this, it's an opportunity. You know, we're adopted as his children when we choose to begin a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. We're not born that way. We're adopted that way. And it's like God comes to the spiritual, like the orphanage. You and I are spiritual orphans. It's like he comes to the orphanage and says, hey, look, I'd love for you to come into my family. I'd love for you to be my son or daughter. But you can say no. And a lot of people do. And I don't, I don't get that, but you can do that. I mean, the nature of love is you can say no. You're not a robot. You're not a slave. You're, but you have the opportunity to be a child of God. And, and this is an opportunity maybe for you to say, you know, I'm, I'm ready to say yes to that. So let's all bow our heads together in prayer and at home. I invite you to do the same. And first, it's an opportunity to say yes to 
a relationship with God. For among other things, you become his daughter, his son. And that's why Jesus came to make that relationship possible. He died on the cross to take away our sin. So that if we say yes, he not only forgives us, but adopts us as his child. And this may be the time you say, God, I want to be in your family. I want to say yes to Jesus. I, and the Bible says once we do that, it, we're in the family. It, it says even if we deny him, he will deny, not deny us for he is faithful. And for those of us who have taken that step, whether moments ago or a long time ago, this is an opportunity. And I just want you to, as we pray, I want you to picture God on his throne right now in your imagination. God the Father. And I want you to picture yourself as a little Eden kind of child coming into the throne room. And I want you to see God the Father catch your eye. And I hope you can see the sparkle in his eye, the smile on his face as his arms just come wide open for you to run up past all the angels serving and all that, to come right up into his arms, right onto his lap, to be with your Abba. Because you're Abba's child. And I, and I want you to feel him just put his arms around you with delight. And whatever you want to ask, whatever you want to say, he's more than ready. In fact, the truth is, he knows what's going on anyway. He just wants to be with you. Some of you have some big things to ask God to talk to him about. And I encourage you right now in your heart, just do that. Father, we thank you that you want to be our Abba. And we're Abba's children. And help us begin to really understand what that means. Like Paul prayed, that we would just give us the power somehow to begin to grasp the height, the depth, and length, the breadth of your love for us. And we thank you that you're more loving than we can imagine. And that we can come into your presence at any time. And therefore, help us just pray with joy and delight and confidence and faith because we're Abba's children. In Jesus' name, amen.